I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. How many times this school year have your children been sent home for, say, a, a soft closure? Or have they had to, been, had to be sent home due to a quarantine? Maybe they came into some proximity with another student or teacher even who had contracted the coronavirus. Well, it is, it's something that has a few folks scratching their heads. There are you know, a number of districts throughout our, our great state, uh, and each of them are having different experiences and responding differently to them. Right now, uh, the Jordan School District is uh, in a real tough place. They have 14 schools on a soft closure right now. The, the, the list is long, and if you're a parent in one of these uh, schools or if you are a, a student there studying, you, you know I don't need to read the long list to you, uh, Davis as well. We'll be speaking, as a matter of fact, with Davis School District Representative Chris Williams uh, after the after the commercial break. We're going to look at something interesting happening in Davis that's not happening in other schools, and it is a rapid testing program. They have found there that these quarantines are, are keeping students out of the classroom for so, so long. And you know better than anyone else, if you're a parent, that the, the damage being done to the educational experience, to the social experience, to the mental health of your child, that these quarantines, man, if we can cut them down somehow. And so uh, I'll let uh, Mr. Williams explain the program, but rapid testing, uh, they have mobilized in a way to allow for you know, students to be back in the classroom a little quicker if the quarantine you know, proves itself to be you know, not, not so helpful. Anyway, how does quarantining work? Exactly. Well, it's different from district to district, but uh, Deanie Wimmer, you know her from KSL Television, recently uh, talked about it and, and explains it here in this report. Students and teachers may now have a shortened quarantine from 14 down to 7 days. The state health department today rolled out new recommendations meant to help those with a low risk of contracting the virus get back into school if they meet these standards. Students and staff had to have been wearing masks at the time of exposure. They need to wait at least seven days and then get a COVID test. If the test comes back negative and they aren't showing symptoms, they can return to school. This eliminates a week of missed class and, health officials say, creates an incentive to wear masks and get tested. And so with that, you know, each district needs to figure out exactly how they implement that. Uh, Davis uh, thinks they have it figured out. We're going to get those details, as I mentioned, in just a moment. Uh, but back, uh, back to Jordan School District, 14 of its schools uh, moving to virtual learning. S- some of those 14 schools have been shut down already or, you know, experienced a soft closure uh, for, you know, two or three times uh, already prior. 
This comes after there was a Board of Education meeting uh, just Wednesday night. And according to the Salt Lake Tribune reporting, it calls the decision by the Jordan District the most sweeping to come anywhere in Utah since most classrooms here reopened this fall despite uh, the pandemic. Uh, And that Jordan was particularly uh, hard hit by the virus uh, with nearly 1,200 total cases. The uh, the claim from the Salt Lake Tribune, and this is backed up with the, if you make your way to the case counts on the coronavirus website, you'll see, uh, you know, each school district listed there and the number of cases they've uh, experienced. Uh, have a look at that. Now, uh, it's only temporary. Uh, these soft closures are, are temporary. Most of them uh, look to, to come, uh, you know, become back open there near the end of the month, fingers are crossed there. An interesting, an interesting thing about the, the end of the month, uh, if you were listening earlier, the governor, the governor said that in uh, just, you know, four to five weeks, four to five weeks from now, uh, which will put us, what, like mid-December or so, uh, that we will have a vaccine here in the state of Utah. Now, of course, uh, understanding that that vaccine will be at the in its earliest stages only available maybe to frontline workers or others who are prioritized uh, to to receive that. Not exactly sure uh, how that will work quite yet, but we're going to keep a close eye on it. And you'll know as soon as we know. Uh, and then a more uh, broad distribution. And this is this is the prediction by the the governor. That uh, that most caught my attention. Broad distribution of a vaccine here in the state of Utah, possibly in March. That's within uh, this same school year, right? Uh, so there may be a time within this school year, the the 2020-2021 school year, where uh, maybe uh, you know maybe young people uh, will will be able to to receive this. At least the teachers. Now, uh, will, will young people? It's it's uncertain because. We know that the development of the vaccine uh, and the evaluation of the candidate vaccines is dependent on age group. The FDA approves various companies' ability to test on different age groups. Uh, Adults have been tested. Uh, Adults have been experimented upon, so to speak. They've received the candidate vaccine, the placebo. It's been studied. Pfizer, uh, you know, has their claims of a a candidate with 90 percent efficacy. Uh, Well, the, the testing has not been completely conducted on those under 18 yet. So it may be some time uh, before we get to that point. But teachers, uh, teachers are certainly well within the 18 plus age group. And once that vaccine is broadly available here, uh, I think in terms of policy and confidence going into the classroom, uh, we're going to feel a, a, a great shift uh, come March if the governor's prediction holds. All right, a uh, quick break. When we return, I mentioned that Davis School District is experiencing something a, a little unique. Uh, they have moved a few schools into soft closure, uh, but they have also rolled out a program that is not being seen elsewhere in the state right now, rapid testing uh, in an effort to get uh, those quarantines shortened. We're going to find out the details from Chris Williams with the district next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this KSL News Radio. You heard that story referenced by Maria Chaleos there in her newscast about the Utah man who has pleaded guilty to attempting to aid ISIS. Well, uh, we're going to be speaking in about half hour from right now with John Huber, U.S. Attorney for the District of Utah, uh, to give us all the details on that case. Be sure to be listening at about 2.20 uh, to get that full story. It will blow you away. I, I couldn't believe what I was reading when I read the, the documents on that case here this morning. It's a stunning story about 
Uh, well, you'll have to tune in at 2.20 to, to hear it. Uh, again, John Huber, U.S. Attorney for Utah, calling in. Uh, okay, hey, listen, I want to welcome to the program now uh, Chris Williams. He, with the Davis School District, is the Director of Communications, spokesperson for uh, the district. Mr. Williams, sir, how are you? I'm doing fantastically, and I think this is the first time I've been on live mic, so I appreciate your your uh, <laughs> invitation. Well, I'm I'm sorry for that. We we ought to you ought to get in more trouble out there at the school district. We'll have you on more often. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you for having me on. Tell me, you've got a you have a few circumstances playing out uh, at Davis that I want to hear about. You have some schools in soft closure. Let's talk about that, uh, and then I also want to hear about uh, the testing program that you have in place. Uh, right now, let's start with the, the the closures and what led to that. Sure. Well, you know, we follow the state guidelines. There's lots of great people who uh, have medical backgrounds and educational backgrounds. They've gotten together and established guidelines. The, the governor's office, the uh, state health department, the Utah State Board of Education has put together a handbook that we follow here in Davis School District. And, and those numbers that we focus in on are uh, if you've got three students who come down with COVID in a classroom, uh, we start the discussion, and that classroom should be quarantined. The, at a school level, if there's 15 cases in which uh, people have been have been diagnosed with COVID, we start the discussion, and uh, we look in the numbers, make sure they're accurate, and then we go into a soft closure. So that's the situation that we, we are facing today in many of our schools. How many how many schools do you have in that circumstance today? <clears throat> so we have nine traditional high schools in our school district. Uh, as of yesterday, we had Davis, Layton, Woods Cross, Northridge, and Syracuse all on soft closure. Uh, Davis, Layton, and Woods Cross all went on yesterday. Oh, excuse me. They be, they began today. Um, Northridge and Syracuse have been in there for a little while. They're going to return to classes um, in person on November 19th. Uh, Davis, Layton, and Woods Cross will return to class in person on Monday, November 30th. Uh, breaking news. Uh, we have Bountiful and Viewmont High Schools also going into soft closure beginning tomorrow. So that means uh, of our traditional high schools, nine traditional high schools, seven of them will be in soft closure oh my. next week. Yeah. And the, the, the most recent or the ones that uh, you said Bountiful and Viewmont to start tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, yep. that'll, and, and that'll, be, that'll be a two-week uh, soft closure? It will. Okay. Yeah, because and, and we benefit to a degree in that uh, we have Thanksgiving break coming up, so uh, most of the most of the schools that I just mentioned will be back uh, yeah. Monday, November thirtieth. You, you know, when when you say that, and I and I did, I was looking at the calendar, and I realized that that was going to be the case for uh, many of the schools, not only in your district but elsewhere. That uh, that some of the some of the soft closure quarantine time would fall. Uh, over over the Thanksgiving break, it uh, it reminded me of something we always tried to avoid when I was young, and it was you never wanted to be sick on a snow day. <laughs> you never wanted to be <laughs> sick on a snow day. 
Right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, those are for, you know, it's for the kids, of course, that enjoy the time off. Uh, but t- talk to me about spirits and, and education. H- how... How are things going? How are spirits in the in the in the classroom these days amongst the students, uh, teachers, administrators? As there is so much back and forth, and, and so many uh, of the factors that impact the experience are in flux. Well, I think the first thing that I want to address is uh, the kids love to be in school, and and this will relate to some of the stats I'll share with you about our rapid testing that's going on, but. Kids love to be in school. Uh, we've had two or three opening days that we, so to speak, in our in our school year. Uh, there were there were people who let me turn off my phone here. That's all right. Sorry about that. Um, there were uh, a number of times where where, where students uh, were were going to school two days a week and then they'd be online mm-hmm. three days a week. So. Uh, because of that, there were there were students who some students hadn't seen since March. So when they came back to school, when we re, we returned to four day school, it was like the opening day. Half their friends all of a sudden showed up again. So it's been very interesting. It's been an interesting school year in regards to that. First, that happened at elementary level, and then secondary level. So we really had three opening days. Um, yeah. The, the the teachers are working really hard, no question about it. Without the teachers, we're out of business. Um, they are they are doing fantastic work. We also know without parents sending their students to school, we are out of business as well. Uh, parents are working extremely hard, no question about it. We have a we have a Davis Connect online school that has grown from. Oh, gosh, just under 90 students in June to 5,800 students now. That's been incredible. So that's how the landscape has changed in the district. Um, students are are glad to be in school. Teachers are working extremely hard, and, and people who want that online uh, choice have certainly taken advantage of it. Very good. Uh, we're speaking with Chris Williams with the Davis School District. He uh, is spokesperson for the district, director of communications and operations there. Uh, you mentioned there briefly that you have a, a testing program in place. Uh, describe that for me, please. W- what are you doing? Sure. And this occurs because of the great relationship we have with the Davis County Health Department. We've been meeting with the health department since the last week in February, every week talking everything COVID. And a few weeks ago, Brian Hatch, the the director of the health department, in one of our meetings said, uh, there's a possibility I could get 10,000 test kits that will allow you to do rapid testing. Is this something that you think you could pull off? And we talked about it and came up with a plan to uh, use our school nurses. Of course, we don't have lots of school nurses, but we have very dedicated school nurses who have been trained by the Davis County Health Department in using these rapid tests. So we have a, a warehouse in the Freeport Center in Clearfield that Did we lose, uh, lose Mr. Williams there? Oh, shoot. Uh, what he's describing is the establishment of a rapid testing center there at the at the Freepoint Center in Clearfield. They they have this center running uh, Monday through Thursday, seven a.m. to to or, yeah seven a.m. to nine a.m. And I think we've reestablished our connection with Mr. Williams. Uh, sir, are you back? I am. Thank you. Very good. Okay, so you have this center at the Freeport Center there in Clearfield. Uh, what else? What happens there? So so in in the center in. 
the Senate runs from seven to nine. Uh, typically, we the lines are long. Some people wait in lines for three hours, but but you just drive drive up. You take your turn. You drive into the uh, warehouse facility. The nurses there uh, give a rapid test to to either an employee or a student. And those individuals are only there because they received a letter saying that they have been put in quarantine. And on day seven, they can go to the center and get a rapid test. Now, really critical in this, in this whole situation is that they have to have no symptoms on the day of testing. And it has, they have to be tested on day seven. They can't come earlier because the reliability of those tests aren't going to necessarily be as accurate as we need. Right. Uh, at day seven, uh, there's an accuracy level of 70%, and that's an accuracy level that the state approves of. Mm-hmm. We follow the state's directions, and when we get those numbers, excuse me, what, yeah, when we get those, those tests done, we share those numbers with the state. So when the state comes out with their daily numbers, the next day our numbers will also be included in, in the state's numbers. And, and if, uh, if a student or teacher comes on that day seven uh, and they test negative, their quarantine time ends and they can return to the classroom under normal circumstances. Exactly. Yeah, this is, this is a great opportunity. Yeah. Their, their typical quarantine period is 14 days. Right. Uh, this cuts it in half. Outstanding. So the, the numbers I just want to share with you, Lee. In the past five days, and I'm not talking today because I haven't gotten these numbers yet, but past five days – we tested 360 individuals. Of those 360, only 10 tested positive. So 350 people were able to return back to school. That's so, huge. yeah, and, and the lines are evidence to me that people want to be back in school. If, if they didn't want to, they don't have to come back at day seven. They can just stay at home until day 14 passes. Mm-hmm. But, but our lines are long, and the people are working really hard to, to provide this service. Chris Williams with the Davis School District. Thank you so much for your time and explaining to us what's going on in the district today. We'll speak again soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Lee. All righty. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, uh, the PTA is having some trouble. It's a unique problem. They're having trouble recruiting male participants. We'll see what's being done about that next on Live Mike. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.